Well, hey, listen, we are starting a brand new series called Best Days. Everybody say Best Days. What you just saw is missionaries that Victory supports on a monthly basis all over the world that follow in our Victory Confession every single month, whether it's at their orphanage, their church, their Bible school, their rescue home. You are part of something that is bigger than what you see right now. Every single month, there are people all over the world that are part of our network churches, network Bible schools that are connecting with us. And we are so excited to do a series that's going to impact all of them, all of you, all of us as a local church, as a global ministry, and in our personal lives. Everybody say, these are my best days. So we are doing a series really from our victory confession. We're going to break down line upon line, precept upon precept, why we say this victory confession every week. Where does it come from? Where does this confession come from? What does God's word have to say about living on purpose, living with our best days yet? And so I'm excited to preach on this message because this is, is near and dear to my heart. I actually wrote the victory confession um, as a personal confession for me when I was going through one of the darkest, most depressing times in my own own mind, my own heart, and God really started to breathe these words into my life. And I didn't know that one day we would be saying them every week as a church and it would become a victory confession. At the time, it was just a Paul confession. I was just saying it over myself and I didn't believe it. And sometimes you got to talk yourself into your best days, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when you come to church and you're mad at God or you're disappointed or you're trying to put on the church mask and you're not sure if people even are real here. I'm telling you, we're all real. We're all going through our own stuff, but we all believe that with Christ, he's not finished with us yet. Our best days are still in front of us. Greater things are ahead. So I'll, I'll tell you where it all started for me. Um, and before I do, I got I to gotta show you a picture because this picture really, I think, connects with what I'm going to preach to you today, which is the first line of our confession. I'm here on purpose. Everybody say I'm here on purpose. <laughs> Oftentimes what distracts us from being here is there. The enemy of here is there, and it's not just there, it's then. It's then, it's there, it's everything else but here. So many people are frustrated with here, and so they're looking for something else, somewhere else, someplace else, with somebody else, and they're missing out on the spectacular here. The spectacular now. I came across this news article of a guy who was sitting on his boat. I want you to see this picture. He was sitting on his boat, and a massive humpback whale came in front of him, and he missed the moment because he was staring at what most of us stare on, on, on like on a daily basis, his phone. He was on his phone and he missed the moment of the humpback whale that was right in front of him. And a photographer far away took the picture and captured, this is really, this is really what it's like to live in our world today in 2019. People are missing not just the humpback whale, they're missing out on the present. They're missing out on their kids. They're missing out on their season of life, missing out on um, whether you're in college or out of college, whether you're a parent or single or married. God has you here for a purpose. And I love what Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, you could turn there. Come on. We make some noise when we open up the word of God. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's all good. We'll put it up on the screen. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, don't be wishing you were someplace else. Yeah, come on. We can just drop the mic right there because this is, this is the battle. This is the battle of here is oftentimes we're daydreaming about there. We're thinking about back then, the good old days, the glory days. And Paul says, don't wish you were someplace else or with somebody else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. The moment that sinks in, the moment you believe that and receive that and start owning that, I'm telling you, you're going to start living your best days yet. And then he says this, he says, not just that, not just is this the place that God has for you. If you live and obey and love and believe right there, you're going to maximize your potential. You're going to maximize your minutes here on earth. And he says, God, not your marital status defines your life. I would say God, not your economic status, not your job, not your title, not your location, not your vocation, not your relationship status, whether you're single, dating, married, confused, not sure what's going on, need to have a DTR with that person that you're dating right now to find the relationship. God is the one who defines your life. God is the one that defines your worth. God is the one who defines your purpose. 
And then he says, don't think I'm being harder on you. I give this same counsel to all the churches that I preach at. And I remember when I wrote this victory confession, I was driving up to church on a Saturday night. My mother was our senior pastor at the time. Uh, My father had passed away. My mom had stepped in as the interim pastor during that time. And she had asked me to start preaching on Saturday nights. By the way, my mom is like a hero to me and to our family. And I think to a lot of you out there. Yeah, amazing. And it was really tough, though, to be honest, because with my dad being gone, my mom was really trying to cope with not having her spouse of 37 years with her. And she was pastoring the church. I was trying to cope with not having my dad with me. And I was now preaching Saturday nights. I had a vision in my heart that one day I'd be the pastor of victory. I had this vision the night my dad passed away. I felt like God said, get ready because someday you're going to pastor this church. And I was like, okay, God, I told my wife and just kept it between us. I didn't want to tell anyone else. I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to get sold, you know, like Joseph did as a slave to Egypt (laughs) by his siblings. But no, I have good siblings. They wouldn't do that. Um, I was like, during that time, I was just, just making the most of my days. I was pastoring our college ministry. I was, Ashley and I, we were newlyweds. And my mom came to me about a year after my dad had passed. She said, I want you to start preaching Saturday nights. And I want you to know that your dad mentioned to a few board members um, that you would one day be the pastor of victory. And I was like, wow. And she said, but not yet. Everybody say, not yet. She said, I'm in a pastor for some years. I don't know how many years, five, 10, three, four, five, six, seven. And she said, when it's time, you'll know and I'll know and I'll pass the baton to you. Until then, I want you to make the most of right here and right now. When you know you're called to do something and you know it's there, And board members told me, they said, Paul, get ready. Do everything you can to get ready because it's coming, but not yet. When you know you have a vision inside you, but it's not going to happen yet. I don't know about you, but I I struggle with patience problems. And like my patience sometimes is tested in those moments because I start getting antsy. I start getting excited and I stop living in the present and I start obsessing about the future. And this is, this is what causes so many people to miss out on who God's called them to be and what God's called them to do right now. Everybody say, I'm here on purpose. All right, so during that time, I started preaching on Saturday nights, and it honestly wasn't going as great as I thought it was going to go. And I was so like discouraged, and I felt inadequate and insecure and unworthy, and I was apologizing during... Every message, I would apologize for my age. I would apologize for my hair. I would apologize for my jeans. I would apologize for my sermon. And people were like, stop apologizing and just preach the gospel. All right, so then I, you know, I started doing that. Well, one Saturday night, I drove up to the church. My mom was the pastor, and I was preaching that Saturday night. And I was just overwhelmed with discouragement. Our church was going through a tough time. There was just slander being thrown at my family, a lot of mud being thrown, and it was just painful, and I was missing my dad, and I just parked outside of the church 15 minutes till 5 p.m., a few cars in the parking lot, and I was so upset. The confession that I'd been saying in my head was our best days are behind us. God's finished with the Darty family. Man, this is, this is painful. I don't like this season. I just wish this would be over. I, I don't know what the future holds, but I don't even know if I wanna be the pastor anymore. And I was, I was literally throwing away my future with my words. Did you know there's power in your words, by the way? There's power in your words, power in your thoughts. It dictates where your life goes. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think, as you speak, so your life begins to go in that direction. And so I was sitting in my car, and I'm just defeated, discouraged. It's in my thoughts. It's in my mouth. And... Um, and I'm like crying. I was like, no one wants to hear me preach. I don't even want to hear me preach. God, you don't want to hear me preach. You know, and I'm just throwing my own pity party. And all of a sudden, I felt this voice of God in my heart. It wasn't audible. It was just a still, small voice in my heart. It said, change the narrative. Change your confession. Change the narrative. And I was just sitting there, and I just, I heard it again. Change the narrative. Change your confession. And I'm staring at the cross outside our church, staring at the outside of this building, this massive auditorium. And I'm thinking about the future. I'm intimidated by my my present. I'm intimidated by the future. And God said, change the narrative. So I pulled out a pen. I didn't have any paper, but I had a napkin in my car. And by the way, when I wrote the victory confession, I didn't write it for you. I wrote it for me. It just eventually became part of our church confession, but it was my personal confession. I sit down and I'm in my car and I'm writing on this napkin as tears are coming down my eyes and 
I start to write, the first four words I write is, I'm here. Let's stop right there. I'm here. Everybody say, I'm here. And I didn't even finish it at that point. I just wrote, I'm here. I was like, I am here. I'm here in depression. I'm here in guilt. I'm here in shame. I'm here in anger. I'm here in frustration. And God said, no, you're here on purpose. And those were the next two words that would come is, I'm here on purpose. I'm here. Gideon had a problem with himself as well in the Bible. Gideon was a man that God showed up to and said, Gideon, I need you to rescue my people. Like God could do it, but God wants to partner with people. When you look in the Bible, God always wanted to partner with people, whether it was with Noah building the ark, with Moses going and setting the slaves free out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land, with Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho. Every time God wanted to do something, he wanted someone to partner with him. He's looking for an eye. And some of us in this room, we're taught not to believe in ourselves because we're like, it's prideful to love who I am. The Bible repeatedly says, love your neighbor as you love your it's not narcissistic to love who God made you to be. And every time you put yourself down, you're putting down the very creation of God. You're saying, God, you made a mistake on me, on my personality, on my gifts and talents. No, he didn't. God doesn't make mistakes. You are not here on accident. You are not an accident. You might have had accidental parents, but you are not an accidental baby. God made you on purpose for a purpose. And Gideon wrestled this with God. He was like, God, I'm weak. I'm young. I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm unqualified. I'm the smallest in my family. I'm not getting Moses to the same thing. God, I can't speak. I can't preach. I can't lead. I'm unworthy. I'm unqualified. I'm a murderer. I made mistakes. You know, he's listing all of his flaws and his weaknesses. And God says, tell him I am sent you. And Gideon, no, you're not. You're a mighty warrior. See, God wants you to see yourself the way that he sees you. In order for us to do this, let me just give you a few tips on, on really owning this first part of the confession, wherever you're watching this from. Um, you gotta stop see, uh, saying and thinking negative things over your life. Part of the victory confession is owning that you have a purpose and owning that God made you for a unique purpose to do great things and your best days are still in front of you. You gotta stop saying and thinking negative things about yourself. When I was sitting in my car, I didn't believe it, but as I started saying, you can talk yourself into defeat, you can also talk yourself into victory. You could talk yourself into shame, or you could talk yourself into freedom. And so you gotta stop saying those things, and then next, you gotta start speaking the good things about yourself. You gotta start saying, no, I'm the righteousness of God. Every time I get up to preach, I have some personal self-talk that I have in my head. I just say, Lord, I think I have the mind of Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. My shoes are shod with the gospel of peace. I got the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. I'm anointed. I'm going to speak with clarity today. As I speak your word, it will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose that you have set for it. I thank you, God, that people are here to receive from you. But I got to say this over myself or otherwise I'll get up here and I'll just be defeated. If I lived based on my feelings... I would be a miserable pastor. I've got to, I've got to rise above. You got to rise above your feelings. You got to start declaring. And next, you got to stop comparing yourself with other people. This is like, we're, we're in an all-time comparison mode, I feel like, in our world. You know, because we got all the social media and so we're scrolling through it and not a week goes by where there's not a temptation to compare my life with someone else's life. Um, where I'm at, where someone else is at. By the way, some of you are resenting here, but you prayed for here 10 years ago. You're resenting the thing you prayed about 10 years ago that you asked God for. Like 10 years ago, I was like, Lord, I don't wanna be single anymore. I just wanna be married. I'm not saying I resent marriage, but what I'm saying is this. Um, we romanticize and we glamorize future seasons and it's an inaccurate it's an inaccurate reality that we've created in our head. 10 years ago, I was like, Lord, I, was, I just want to get married. I just want to have kids and play catch with my boys outside. I just want to be a daddy. And in my mind, there was no dirty diapers. 
There was no fights between me and Ashley. There was no disagreements. There was no tension. My kids were always obedient. It was always fun. It was always sunshiny. It was like that father of the bride scene where the kids are playing catch and it's all perfect. I had romanticized and glamorized a future that now I'm here and I'm like, it's not what I thought it was. We got a lot of sleepless nights. I was up this morning at 5.30 a.m. because Benny crawls in our bed. And once he crawls in, you're not going back to sleep. And I didn't dream about that. Some of you are resenting the, the here that you're in right now when you prayed for this here. And you got to stop that. You got to stop comparing your life with other people, their gifts and talents. Again, Paul said, stop wishing you were someplace else with someone else doing something else. Where you are is right where God has you. Live and love and believe and obey God right in that season. My dad used to stop us in the middle of our, our days when we would be together as a family, and he would say, this is it. Sunday afternoons, he would say, this is it. And we'd be like, yeah, Tulsa, parents' house. This is it. He'd be like, this is it. And I'd be like, no college is going to be it. When I get my driver's license, that's going to be it. No, this is it. And I'd be like, no, once I get married, that's going to be it. You know, once I graduate college, once I step into my career, that's going to be it. Some of us are waiting for a day to start living when God's saying, this is the day that I have made. Rejoice and be glad in it. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. And one of the reasons maybe why you're hating today is and, and looking at someone else's day and going, man, their grass looks really green. No, it's just because you stopped watering your own yard. You got to start owning your yard, loving your yard, fertilizing your yard. If somebody pooped in your yard, turn it into fertilizer. Let your grass grow even greener. Come on, somebody. I want you to watch a clip of Listen, let me say this. When I became a dad, I started crying more at cartoons, like just more. <laughs> I just I really I, like I've always been a sensitive person. But now I'm just I'm sitting there. I'm watching cartoons. I'm like, this is powerful. And my boys are like, Dad, it's PJ Masks. You know, it's Daniel the Tiger. It's Toy Story. It's Lion King. The reboot for Lion King. Come on. It looks great. Yeah. And I want you to watch this clip because it comes from one of those cartoons. It comes from Lion King. And um, there was a moment where the, the main character, he's lost his father and his purpose in his mind was attached to his father being there. And I can relate to that because I've shared my testimony of losing my dad. I've attracted a lot of people who've walked through loss that want to come and talk to me. And so when they come talk to me, I, I talked to one person and she said, you know, um, my dad was a pastor and I was the pastor's daughter. And when he passed away, the church went to somebody else. And she said, my identity was connected to being the pastor's daughter. My purpose was connected to that. So when it was gone, I did not know what to do. I talked to one person who said, you know, I was married for 30 plus years. When my spouse died, I felt like my purpose died. And so I want you to watch this clip because I think there's something powerful from it. And maybe you've seen Lion King before, but I want you to see it through a different lens today. I want you to see it that your purpose never dies. Even if your title changes, even if the person you're married to um, passes away, even if people in your life that you've connected your identity to end up being gone, your purpose is still alive and well. I want you to watch this. Check it out. Look down there. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Forgotten who you are, and so forgotten me. 
Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No! Please! Don't leave me! Remember. Father! The weather, <laughs> very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah, looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow, jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter, it's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Not a stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that for a moment. There's a lot to learn from it. Simba had ran from who he was supposed to be. He knew he was supposed to be the king, but he ran from it because he missed his father. He was running from his purpose, and his father said, you are more than what you've become. Some of us have allowed ourselves to slip into a coast mode, a complacent mode, a mediocre mode. God did not call us to mediocrity. God did not call you to live a life of just coasting in your depression, coasting in your addiction, coasting with your self-medicated habits that aren't even from God. You are more than what you've become. You have a purpose. Now, maybe you lost your job or maybe you lost your dad or maybe you lost your husband or your wife, but you didn't lose your purpose. Your purpose is still alive. It's waiting for you to step into it. No, but let me just be honest here. When my father passed and, and all of that was going on, my mom, she said, you know, it's really hard. I remember sitting with her one night and we were sitting in her house and um, she was just crying. There was a lot of nights where she would cry, I would cry, my wife would cry, our whole family, we'd just start crying. And I remember sitting there next to her and she said, it's so hard to feel purposeful when I felt like my purpose was attached to my husband of 37 years. Just because someone dies in your life doesn't mean that your purpose dies. Just because someone passes away. Now, it's easy for me to say that. It was hard for me to realize that. It's hard for my mom to realize that. Because she said, you know, my purpose was so attached to serving your father. I talk to people every week because of my own testimony. A lot of people are attracted to this testimony who've also lost a loved one. And so they'll come to me after service and they'll say, Paul, how did you move on? Because in my mind, my, my identity was wrapped up in being daddy's girl, the pastor's daughter. And when the pastor passes away and someone else is the pastor, I don't even know what my purpose is anymore. I don't even know how to be happy in the current season that I'm in when I've lost someone I love. And it may not even be someone you've lost, it could be a job you lost, the company lets you go. I found my identity in the title, in the purpose of working for that church, the purpose of working for that company. I was in charge of those people and then they let me go, they fired me, Paul. And I don't even know, I don't even wanna wake up anymore, I just wanna sleep in my own bed because I'm so discouraged and depressed about my current season. Can I tell you that your purpose didn't stop just because your title changed? Your purpose didn't stop just because you shifted companies or you're no longer working for that place or you're no longer in charge of those people. Your purpose is so much bigger than your vocation, than your location, than your marital status. Your purpose is so much greater. Paul said this in Colossians 3 verse 17. He answers the question for what is your purpose? What is my purpose? He said in whatever you do, 
Do it as a representative for Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do it for God's glory. That means that you can fulfill your purpose in every season. So my mom, she said, Paul, um, when I used to lead the worship, she said, before I led the worship, I was a stay-at-home mom. And I would take care of you and John and Sarah and Ruthie. And that was, that was, it was good, but it was tough because I wanted to be working. But I needed to be home with you guys. Then I started serving in the choir and David Grothy was our worship leader. Well, then when David left, I became the worship leader and I tied my purpose to that title. I was Victory's worship leader. She said, then in 2004, your dad came to me and said, Sharon, it's time to start letting some of these others that are a little younger than you start leading. And she said, excuse me, honey, you're not pushing me out into the pasture, are you? And my dad said, no, no, no. It's, it's time for a title change. You're stepping into a new season. No, you're pushing me into a new season. No, Sharon, it's time to, it's time to change that. Your purpose is still the same, to bring God glory. Your purpose is not connected to your title. She said it was tough because it took me a year to really embrace that. And I was resentful towards your dad during that time because he wanted me to start letting things go. And I didn't want to. But she said, once I started letting those things go and raising up some of these young worship leaders, she said, I started finding joy in being their coach and their teacher, their mentor and pouring into them and letting them step up and lead. She said, then the time came when your father passed and I had to realize my purpose wasn't just married to him. My purpose was still to bring God glory now that he was in heaven. My purpose didn't die. Then when it was time for me to hand the baton to you, she said, I was prepared to transition into the next season with joy and make the most of my days because my purpose was not tied to the interim position that I held. If we would just hold every title, every role, every position, every season of life with open hands and just say, whatever season I'm in, I'm going to bring God glory. I'm telling you, you would start living your best days yet. If you stopped waiting for there, by the way, the second word of this confession is I'm here. Everybody say here. Here is a beautiful word. Here is a beautiful place. The spectacular here. No applause. <laughs> the spectacular now. Yes. The enemy of here is there. The enemy of here is always there or it's then. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the disciples, they were celebrating. You know, Jesus had risen from the grave. Easter was last weekend. It was amazing. By the way, big shout out to all the volunteers, cast and crew. Man, for everyone that served. Come on, let's cheer on everyone that was part of making Easter happen. If that was you, stand up, stand up, stand up. We want to recognize ushers, greeters, cast, crew, makeup, behind the scenes, AV, cameras, whatever you did, you are amazing. You're the real MVPs. You're the real MVPs. Amazing. But the disciples, they were having this Easter celebration. Jesus is alive. He's back. Let's do church. It's going to be incredible. Easter every week, you know. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, I know I'm back and I know you're happy because I was gone for three days. I was dead. It wasn't good. It was tough. But now I'm back. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit's going to show up and it's going to be amazing. And your best days are right in front of you. And I know you want me to stay. But peace out. I'm gone. <laughs> Literally, they were I, when I read this, I start laughing. I'm like, that must have been tough. Like they were all excited. And he's like, dun, dun, dun. you know, just music. He just starts leaving. Just peace, <laughs> peace. I leave with you. Um, he's coming back again, by the way. And let me tell you that when he comes back, the clouds are going to roll. The dead are going to rise in Christ. We're going to be gathered again with the saints of old. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. We got to get ready for it. But the disciples, there they were. And Jesus was ascending and they're staring up at the sky. And they're just staring and they keep staring. And in verse 10, it says this, as they strained to see him. So he's gone. They're staring. Two angels show up, two men dressed in robes of white. And in verse 11, they say, men of Galilee. It's like the angels are trying to wave their hands in front of the guy that's looking men of Galilee. And they're just staring. They're not even seeing the angels. They're staring. They said, why are you standing here and staring there? 
Let that sink in. I could walk away from that right now and just let you think about that. Why are you standing here and staring there? Why are you standing here and you're staring out there? Your present is here, it's not there. That's your past and your future. Jesus was with you, he's still with you, but he's not with you the way that he was with you in the past. And he's going to come back for you. But in the meantime, you have right here, right now. I remember when I graduated from ORU and there were seniors that were so obsessed with their college life that they were so sad on the day of graduation and so afraid of the future and they were like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. The college days were everything for me. These were the glory days. We lived together in dorms. I was like, what? It stunk in our dorms. You guys brought like junk into our dorms and dead stuff. And we had not, not much sleep. We always, we always, you know, glamorize a season in the past as if it was perfect or a season in the future as if it's going to be perfect because we, we have a problem with the present. And then we get to the future or we actually have a moment where we can look back in the past with clarity and go, you know, he was great, but he wasn't perfect. And we're missing out on who's with us right now because we've glamorized someone from the past and we've made an inaccurate depiction of who they actually were. I had someone come to me once and this was the most, it was, it was the weirdest, greatest thing someone could say to me. They said, Paul, your dad was a good man. But man, let's be honest. People are acting like he was God and he wasn't. He was, he was imperfect. And I was like, thank you for saying that. Because after someone passes, you only hold on to all the good memories, which is great. But when you do that, sometimes you live in those good memories and you obsess about a past and create in your mind a past as if that past was so perfect and flawless. And you romanticize about that past and you're missing out on the present because you think the present is not as good as the past. When in reality, the past had its problems too. The past had its issues too. And we're missing out on who's with us right now and what's in front of us right now because we're thinking about the future or we're obsessing about the past. And God's saying, you've got to stop staring there when I have you right here. Stop. Why are you staring there when I have you right here? Here is all we have. James said, don't boast about tomorrow. Jesus said, stop worrying about what's behind you or worrying about what's in front of you. Be here now. Make the most of where I have you right now. Whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether your kids are all grown up or your kids are toddlers, whether you're single or married or divorced or widowed, your purpose is still alive. I'm here on purpose. I want you to watch this clip. This is from Toy Story. Come on, Toy Story. And this is a moment between Woody and Buzz. Check this out. Oh, Woody. If only you could see how much Andy misses you. box off me. Oh, come on, Buzz. I... Buzz, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I can't help. I can't help anyone. But sure you can, Buzz. You can get me out of here. And then I'll get that rocket off you and we'll make a break for Andy's house. Andy's house? Sid's house? What's the difference? Oh, Buzz, you've had a big fall. You must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. But why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you! You're a Buzz Lightyear! Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings! You glow in the dark! You talk! Your helmet does that, that, that whoosh thing! You are a cool toy! 
As a matter of fact, you're too cool. I mean, I mean, what chance does a toy like me have against a Buzz Lightyear action figure? All I can do is... Why would Andy ever want to play with me when he's got you? I'm the one that should be strapped to that rocket. Forget about me. You should get out of here while you can. Buzz, what are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. <laughs> Y'all are like, now, what does this have to do with the message? It has so much to do with the message. Here's the thing. Um, we go through seasons where we get to do something or we think we are somebody because of a title we have. The greatest title you'll ever have is servant. Well done, thou good and faithful. It doesn't say well done, thou good and faithful pastor or husband or wife or dad or grandmother or well done, thou good and faithful CEO or COO or uh, whatever title you have. The greatest title is servant. Buzz had found his identity in what he thought he was, his gifts, his talents, his, his pizzazz. And Woody reminded him, hey, Buzz, your value is not in what you do. Your value in, is in whose you are. It's in the name that's written on the soul. Your value is in the name that's written on your soul. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Whether you're single or married or divorced or whether you're making millions or not making much, you don't have to work for a nonprofit to bring glory to God. You can bring glory to God in whatever season you're in, whatever role you're in. You don't have to feel alive. You don't have, you don't have to wait for a season to feel alive. You could start feeling alive today. Irenaeus the theologian said, the glory of God is man fully alive. God is glorified when you come alive, when you get passionate, when you wake up and you go, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Woody had to remind Buzz, listen, you have a purpose. Your purpose is to be that kid's toy. For you, some of you that are now parents and you used to find your worth in something else, you are that kid's dad. You are that boy's mom. And you are the greatest mom that he could ever have. Why? Because you're his mom. But can I tell you, mom is not your greatest title. Your greatest title is servant of God. And you can bring glory to God in every season of your life. I'm here on purpose. I'm here. I'm not there. I'm not back then. I'm here. And who's with me here? I'm going to make the most of who's with me here. And what I have here is I'm going to make the most of what I have. And what I'm doing right now, that's what God wants me to focus on. This season matters. There's purpose to this season. I used to be a janitor at ORU and I couldn't wait until I could finish that job. I worked that job for three years and I was waiting. I was thinking, once I finish this job, I'm going to really be living with purpose. And God had to make me realize my purpose was happening right there in that moment as doing the best job I could as the janitor at ORU, picking up nachos for the glory of God. I used to sell real estate. Yeah, I used to be a real estate guy. I would help out with this real estate company and I would paint houses and I would fix them up. And then I would show up at closings and help sell those houses. I was finding my purpose in every single job I had. Why? My job didn't define my purpose. My purpose was to bring glory to God. I was Rudy the Rooster for the Tulsa 66ers. I was a mascot for an NBA D-League team in Tulsa. I would run out. How many of y'all ever went to those games? Two people. Yep. That's, that's literally what it felt like. I'd run out there in the Cox center here in Tulsa and, um, our NBA D league team in Tulsa that was here for that season. They go play. I had to share the locker room with them, which was super intimidating. These guys were much bigger than me and stronger. And I had to go in there and change into my Rudy, the rooster costume 
and I'd run out on the court and he'd be like, everybody dance now. And I'd start doing the Rudy the Rooster stuff and, you know, just going like this. And I was like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? This doesn't make sense. This is not what I was created for. And God was like, bring glory to God in every season. Your, your purpose never changes. Your purpose is, you, you can fulfill your purpose today. You don't have to wait until a season or a title or something that you think is going to finally make you come alive. Come alive today. Bring glory to God today. Go and love somebody today. Go and love your kids for the glory of God. Go spend time with your grandkids. Go spend time at the nursing home, whether you work in a hospital, whether you work in a company or Quick Trip or Arby's or wherever you're at. Bring glory to God. That's your purpose. So many people think that the stage is, is like the only way to bring glory to God. No, it's not. You can bring glory to God without a microphone. You can bring glory to God without a stage. Your company is your stage. Your voice is your microphone. Everywhere you go, you can make an impact. You can show people the love of God. You are here on purpose. Whether you're watching this in Manford, Oklahoma, Orlando, Florida, Cambodia, Burma, Wherever you're at, Russia, you have a purpose there. And God is so pleased to see you bringing him glory where you're at. He's just as pleased with you as he is with me or anyone else out there that's bringing glory to God. There's so many things that I want to say on this, but I, I want to just get you to think about a few thoughts here. What has God put inside your hand? Because your purpose is also connected to using your gifts and talents, your passions for his glory. What do, you, what do you have? God asked Moses in Exodus chapter four, verse two, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Moses said, just a staff. It's just a staff. It's just a staff. Everybody say, it's just a staff. Maybe for you, it's, it's just a job. Just a student at a university. Just a mom, just a dad. I just have a company. I just work for a company. I'm just an employee. I'm not even big on the, I'm, I'm like way down below. I'm not even one of the top guys. I was talking with this guy in our church and he said, Paul, um, in my thirties, I started working for this company in Tulsa and just kept working hard, kept showing up. I used to think the only way I could bring glory to God was working for a nonprofit, working for a church or something. God started saying, Paul, you know, to this person, um, to j just bring glory to God and his company, be a light, be a witness, share Jesus with others. So he said, I started going in there just with passion, giving it my all, started climbing up the chain there, became, you know, one of the key leaders, then became the vice president. Then he said, I got so good at it that when the president decided he was done and he was ready to retire, the board voted me in as the president of the company. He said, in my thirties and forties, I never dreamed I would be a millionaire, but our company was doing so well that when I stepped into that role, all of a sudden I was starting to actually have some pretty amazing wealth. Then he said, I talked with the board and we had someone make an offer to buy our company. He said, we sold our company for millions of dollars and the people who bought it wanted me to retain me as the president. So he said, I got to stay as the president. Well, then after that, he said, things just got even crazier. He said, um, they, they decided they were going to go another route, but they wanted to thank me for all my years of serving there. So he said, they thanked me then. He said, I was now like almost 50 and I didn't want to stop working. I still had a lot of energy, wanted to keep working. Man, remember this, you can, you can live your purpose in whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. So he said, I started another company. He said, can I tell you this company that I started just in the last five years has gone beyond my wildest dreams. So he comes to me on Friday and he says, we've got something for you. He said, our company's been doing so well, more than we can, more than we can imagine. I'm just tearing a piece of paper off so I can just show you a visual aid here that, that well, I didn't tear a piece off of what he gave me. But he said, um, God's blessed us. We're here on purpose because we have a purpose. He said, that future vision of the future building you guys are going to build. He said, we want to sow a seed. I've never been able to do this, but I believe the day will come where I'll do it again and again and again. On Friday night, just two days ago, he handed us a check for a million dollars for the future vision. What? Come on, stand up on your feet all over this place. First off, that's amazing. He said, I want to sow into future generations. 
God's using me and my company. He said, I get excited about hiring people. He said, we hired someone from Arby's. We doubled their income in the last six months. They've grown up living in an apartment their whole life, a really bad apartment. They, it, it was her and her teenage daughter, 18 years old. They were sharing a room together, one bedroom apartment. He said, when we hired her from Arby's, she just kept growing. She's doing so well. He said, we were able to help her close on her first house that she's ever been able to live in. He said, Paul, my purpose is to bring glory to God as a businessman, to hire people, to bless people, to pour into the church. You are here on purpose. Whatever you do, stop worrying about the specifics and start making the most of what God has put in your hand today. You have something. You have gifts, talents, skills. You have passion. You have something that makes you come alive. Now go out there and do it. On Monday when you wake up, walk into Arby's. Walk into Quick Trip. Walk into your campus. Walk into your school. Walk into your house and say, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. I am here. And I'm not just here on accident, I'm here on purpose. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. Maybe you're here today and you've lost your passion in the present. Maybe you've lost your joy in the present. Maybe you've lost your purpose in the present. But God's calling you back to the right here and the right now, the spectacular now. And he's saying it's time to live today. Make today count. You can't get yesterday back. You can't figure out what tomorrow's going to bring. You've got right here, right now. Make the most of what's in your hand. Make the most of what he's given you today with heads bowed and eyes closed. If God's speaking to you in a level, in an area of your life that I was touching on today that you need to surrender, that you need to stop comparing, you need to stop wishing about other days or future days, you need to start owning your moment today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. God was speaking directly to you. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, 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 yes. Others in the back, you're saying, Paul, I need, to, I need to start owning the present. I need to start living in today. Maybe you're here today and you've lost your purpose, you've lost your value, you've lost your worth. But God says, you're still valuable. You're still worth it. You're still worth my son's sacrifice. If you've made mistakes, you've drifted from God. God is still here. He still loves you. He wants to welcome you back. If you're here today and you need to get things right with God, you're ready to surrender to his purpose for your life, his value for your life. I want you to lift your hand. It's a new day today. Come on, if that's you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Is there anyone else? You're saying, I want to get things right today. Yes. Yes. If you raise your hand, yes, in the back, yes, 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 yes. If you raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar right here, right now. Come on, we're gonna cheer on. It's a new day, it's a new season. Today matters, the present matters. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are still in front of you. You got the victory. You are valuable. You are made in His image. Come on, we're gonna keep on cheering as many are coming from the very back. You're saying, Lord, I surrender today. Some of you that are battling depression, I want you to come down. If you're battling loneliness, if you're just battling a, a desire to, to get out of your current season, come down to the altar today. Who's gonna benefit? You're gonna benefit and everyone else connected to you because they can feel it. They can feel it. It's time to come alive again. It's time to come alive in this current season that God has you in. This is it. This is it. Turn to someone next to you and say, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. Right here, right now. This is your moment. Lord, I pray for fresh life entering into every person that's responding to this message. Fresh joy, fresh passion, fresh purpose, new assignments. God asked Moses in Exodus 4 verse 2, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses said, it's just a staff. It's just a staff. God said, I'm gonna do something with that little thing. I'm gonna do something with whatever you have. God's gonna do something through your gifts, your abilities, your talents, your job, your company, wherever you're at. Show up on Monday with a purposeful mindset, with an attitude of gratitude, saying I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. I'm here today and I'm gonna make the most of it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And let's say that together, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice 
and I'll be glad in it. Come on, Jesus.